We are starting a new series called Love Starts Here. And if you got a Bible, go to James chapter four. Come on. For this month, we are gonna focus on relationships. We're gonna talk about marriage, family, parenting, all of the relational conflict and joy and love and all of that good stuff this month. And uh, how many of you guys have been following the news with the Chinese spy balloon? You know what I'm talking about? Boom, that's what I got to say about that. America. No, I'm just kidding. I love China. Uh, <laughs> that's not the sermon, but I just wanted to pop the balloon for a second. Um, <laughs> everybody say love. Love. James chapter four. James was the half-brother to Jesus. Talk about a struggle watching your brother succeed in front of you. Um, he, he literally grew up watching Jesus get the spotlight. And so James talks about relational conflict. And I think if there's one guy who has some authority to talk about it, it's the guy that had to share the spotlight with his brother. And so he says, what causes fights and quarrels and Chinese spy balloons among you? What's, what's causing the wars between Ukraine and Russia and Cain and Abel and Paul and John and Liam and Benaiah and Ashley and Rachel? What's causing quarrels? What's, what's going on in your home between husband and wife, sister and sister, brother and brother? father and son, mother and daughter, boyfriend and girlfriend. Why are there fights on the way to church in the minivan? Why are there quarrels? Why are you at war with each other? And then James says, doesn't it come from the desires that are battling within you? There's a war going on in us. What we do to others is really about what's going on inside of us. Hurt people hurt people. And when I'm hurting, I'm lashing out. I'm angry. I'm, I'm frustrated. When I'm dealing, I can always tell when, when one of our kids is hurt because they're taking it out on their siblings. And uh, we're trying to teach them like, hey, stop it. Stop the cycle of hurt. When, when we're hurt, when we're frustrated, when we feel like our needs aren't getting met, this is really what James is saying. He's saying, you have desires and that's okay. But when your desires aren't getting met, because we all have desires, God gave us the gift of desires, needs, wants. I need food, I need clothes, I need sleep. How many of y'all know when somebody gets hangry in your house? They're hungry, they're tired, and they're angry, and they're just, I, you just need to take a nap in Jesus' name. You just need to sit down, you need to eat some McDonald's, you need to relax, you need to have some Cane's chicken, uh, you need to chill out. But when we're not getting our needs met, when our desires go unmet, James says we start battling, we start quarreling, we start fighting. We start trying to squeeze out of a person what only God can give us. He says you desire, but you don't have. So you want things and then you don't get it. I want time. I, want, I just want you to understand me. I just need you to come see me. I just wish you would text me. I wish we could communicate better. And he says, you're getting angry with your children. You're getting angry with your spouse. You've become short-fused at work. You're a little bit bipolar. Some days you're happy. Some days you're not. You're frustrated. You're depressed. You're angry. He says, you're desiring these things, and it's okay to desire them, but when you don't get it, you kill. This is what James is saying. He says, you kill. We kill. And we may not kill like Cain killed his brother Abel when he was feeling like God was giving him favor and not giving him, you know, God was giving his brother favor but not giving him favor. We may not kill physically, but we might kill verbally. And we might put people down. And we might come up to their, their balloon and we might pop, pop their sense of happiness. I'm so mad at you, I'm so frustrated. You're not there for me and I'm so angry. And we call them names and James says, when we come in and we pop that balloon, when we're angry, we're frustrated and, and we just feel like lashing out, James says, we kill with our words. We, we kill people's hopes. We kill people's sense of peace. Why are there broken homes? And you go, well, Paul, it's bigger than that. It's, there's addictions and there's, there's problems and there's all kinds of stuff that's caused the broken home. But all the vices, all of the results come from this core root of I don't feel loved. The reason why there's abuse and the reason why we go to vices and addictions and, and people keep going to stuff they shouldn't go to and we try to drink from wells that are just empty with cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. The reason we get in these fights and these vices, all this stuff, it comes from this sense right here, I don't feel loved. I don't feel seen, I don't feel valuable, I don't feel like I'm getting what I need from this relationship. And so James says we covet what other people have, we want what they have, and when we don't get what we want, he says we quarrel, we fight, and we kill. 
And then he ends it with this in verse two. He says, you don't have because you don't ask who? God. He says, God is the one you really should be asking to meet these needs. Now, we need relational needs. God gave us relationships. He put Eve in the garden with Adam because he knew he can't fulfill all of Adam's desires. But when my relationship with people is off, when I'm having problems here, see, the cross is vertical before it's horizontal. He says, if you can get this right, if you can get this love relationship with God, the Bible is a love letter to us. From Genesis to Revelation, God loves us. And he says, if you can ask the one who is the source of love, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. By the way, he's the one who said that about himself. And in the Bible, seven different times, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you go, when you, when you see that quote, the disciple whom Jesus loved, every time that, that quote is brought in the Bible, it's brought from the guy who actually said it and wrote it. It's John. He's like me, AKA, the author of this letter right here. I'm the guy that Jesus loves. And he says, God is love. He was convinced that God loves him. And it's no wonder he lived longer than any of the other disciples. All the other disciples died early deaths, but he had this long lasting life. He was so filled with love. And he says in 1 John 4, verse 8, he says, whoever does not love their brothers or sisters does not know God because God is love. James says the reason you're in fights and quarrels and tension and strife and you're fighting on the way to church and you're fighting after church and you're angry and you're cussing each other out and you're putting yourself down and you look in the mirror and you don't even like yourself. He says it's because you're not going to the source first to get love. The reason why you're trying to squeeze out of your husband or wife what only God can give you is because you think they're the source, but they're not. Humans cannot satisfy every, there is a God whole on the inside of every single one of us. And, and we need God's love in order to give his love to others. And, and uh, the world says there's four different kinds of loves. We understand this. In fact, the Bible teaches this, that there's four different kinds of loves. There's eros, that's the e -E, a passionate love, erotic love. This is the love between a, a husband and a wife. God designed this in Genesis chapter two, that he brought Adam and Eve together. And if we're gonna try to understand marriage and love, we should probably go to the one who defined it, who invented it in the first place, that he's called man to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. God designed that. That's romantic love, right? Then there's phileo love. That's brotherly love. That's, that's when we get together. We, I, I was giving someone a hug down here right before I came up on stage, and I was like, man, I love you. He's like, I love you too, bro. That's, that's phileo love. God designed that. God designed all kinds of loves for our benefit. How many of y'all are thankful for the love that God designed for you and for me? And if you're taking notes, note takers or history makers, God wants you to love your brothers and sisters. God wants you to have love. When, like for those of you that are desiring to get married, I was listening to, to this sermon this last week from Billy Graham, and um, he said there was this single woman, and she had been waiting and watching all of her friends get married, and she was always the bridesmaid, never the bride, and she was in her late 30s, and she was angry at God. She said, God, why haven't you given me a husband yet? I'm so, I just need him. I, I'm ready to get married. I want to I build a life, a family like my friends are doing, and so she went to... Um, she went to a palm reader. Now, if you don't like this story, just send an email to Billy Graham Association, I mean. And so she asked the palm reader, she said, when am I gonna get married? And the, the, the person said, you're gonna get proposed to four times this year. She said, no, I'm not, because I'm saying yes to the first person that asks me. <laughs> God, if you have a desire to get married, um, part of me just wants to like start matchmaking you right now. Like, stand up, let me help you connect each other. But just, you know, tell me if you want me to set you up on a date with somebody on the third row or the second row or whatever it is. Um, we're going to start a victory dating app. Your best dates are right in front of you. Come on. I didn't make that up. One of the singles in our church made that up. He, she was like, when are you going to start the victory dating app? My best dates. And I was like, that's a good idea. We'll start that soon. Um, God wants us to have relationships. He's not trying to stop these relationships from happening. Marriage. Brothers and sisters, best friends, God wants that. The third type of love is storge love. This is love for parents and children. God wants parents to love their kids and kids to love their parents. 
In fact, we, we understand that in the last days, love is gonna grow cold and there's gonna be families that are ripped apart from each other. But then God also says he's going to restore relationships between fathers and their sons. I believe there's gonna be a revival of restoration in homes and families and marriages. As the days get colder, the church is gonna get full of love and warmth. And there's gonna be a beautiful, this, this is why the world will be attracted to wanna get into the church is the love they see we have for one another. Christ says, this is how the world's gonna know that you're my disciple, the way you love each other. And in the last days, he's gonna restore parents and children where there's broken relationships between a father and a son, a mother and a son, a, a daughter and a father, daughter and son. And this is why I love that our church, we offer classes like Restore that happens on Monday nights where you can have a, a full 10-week course right here at Victory of, of restoring your heart so that you can restore relationships in your life. If you grew up abused or you grew up neglected or abandoned or verbally or sexually abused, we've got, we have amazing groups in our church to help bring healing to hearts. But God wants to restore that. This week I was hanging out with our kids and I was doing one-on-one -on -one time with each of our kids and, and um, trying to just spend time because oftentimes we're all hanging out together and they need some one-on-one -on -one time. Your kids need that, just that opportunity, just you and them. And so I was sitting with Ellie and I said, Ellie, what do you want to do? And she was like, dolls. Okay, now this is new for me because our first three kids were boys and they don't do dolls. So I'm sitting in Ellie's room, I got a picture and I, she's got her dolls lined up and we're doing tea time together. This is storge love. She's experiencing just that love with daddy and she's enjoying it. We, we ate dinner together. Then the boys, they wanted to go out on the ice. They were like, daddy, pull us on the sled behind your car. Now it was safe and it wasn't too dangerous. So I'm getting on the sled and I like the boy stuff. Like we're having fun together. We're doing adventure stuff together. Um, but one of the kids, I won't say who, we got to keep it anonymous because some of y'all be telling my stories to my kids. And they're like, daddy, what did you say about us in church? So we're in this together. I need your help. Don't tell all my stories to them. But one of the kids, he said, um, Daddy, did you say in church, and I was like, uh-oh, what's he about to say? He said, did you tell people that we're a lot to handle? <laughs> and I said, so then I looked down, I go, are you a lot to handle? And he goes, did you say we're a lot to handle? <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. And he goes, why did you say that? I said, well, do you think you're a lot to handle? And he goes, well, do you think we're a lot to handle? I said, yes, but I love you. And he goes, you do? Do you love us? I go, yes, I put food on the table for you, clothes. I'm your Uber driver. I drive you to school every day, basketball practice. I'm there, I'm your coach, I'm your biggest fan. And he's like, well, then why'd you say we're a lot to handle? I said, I said is it tough being a kid? And he goes, yeah, it's hard. And I was like, all right. I said, is it hard, like, you know, just being your age? I'm not going to say his age, because then it'll tell you who he is. And um, he goes, yeah, it's tough. And I said, sometimes it's tough to be human, right? Like, it's not always easy. It, it's, it's a lot. And he goes, yeah, 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 it is. I said, but we love it. Like, we're blessed. It's a gift. Life is a gift. Family is a gift. Children are a gift. But it's a lot sometimes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so it was this beautiful conversation. Well, then he goes, you spent a little bit more time with one of the other siblings this week. He said, you dropped us off at school and you went and hung out with him for a couple hours. I said, well, he didn't have school, so he had to run errands with me and come to work with me. And he said, do you love him more than you love us? And I was like, no, where is this coming from? And he goes, well, you know, we learned this from the Bible. I said, what? He said, you know the story of Joseph? Like these are pastor kid problems here. And he goes, you know, Joseph got the coat of many colors from his dad. And this kid's been listening to the children's church Bible stories. And um, he goes, which one of us is Joseph? And I was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Before I could answer, one of the other siblings chimed in. I had all five of them because Ashley needed a break. She was like, take them for just a couple hours so I can take a break. Give it up for moms that are just taking care of kids all the time. And they just need a, a break for a moment. So, uh, so I got all the kids. So one of the kids chimes in. He goes, well, hold on, daddy. You gave Ellie a coat that none of us got. And then he said, but you also gave me a coat that none of us got. And you gave Liam a coat. And you gave Mac and Gianna 
And then he goes, so I think we're all Joseph. I said, yes, you're all Joseph. You're all. And let me say this to you, church. You are all Joseph. God loves you equally as much as he loves Billy Graham, Billy Joe Darty, Oral Roberts. God loves you. And sometimes we're wondering, who does he love the most? Well, storge love is parent love, but here's agape love. This is the fourth kind of love, agape. This is God's unconditional love for us. And that's what I want to talk about for the next couple minutes here is that agape love. If I'm going to love people well, love starts with God because God is love. So three ways, three ways that we can get better at our love life. Number one, I got to believe that God loves me. If you're taking notes, just write this first point. Believe God loves you. Jesus was talking to a religious guy who studied scripture for a living. His name was Nicodemus. And in John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at nighttime and he's like, hey, I've been watching you. You eat with sinners. You hang around with the rejects. You talk to people that none of the religious Pharisees will ever talk to. And I want to know about this life that you've got. And Jesus starts telling them, you got to be born again. But then he gets to this famous verse that we all know, John 3, 16. He says, for God so loved the world. And I wonder if Nicodemus was, was waiting on that next line when, he, when God so loved, I wonder if he was thinking God so loved the Christians, the church people, the religious people, the tithers, the people that did well that week. But Jesus broke all of that down. He says, no, God so loved the world. God so loved China. God so loved America. God so loved you. God so loved your ex. God so loved the people that you don't like. God so loved you on your worst day, not just on your best day, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever behaves, behaves well, the first way that we enter into the kingdom of God is belief. If I'm focused on behavior before belief, I'm going to miss out on the whole kingdom. See, sometimes people think I've got a, like this is a behavior modification program. Like in order to be accepted by God, I got to quit drugs. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit watching rated R movies. Got to quit this, quit that, quit this. And then God will accept. God loves you with all your bad behaviors. If you're going to change, you don't change to accept God's love. You change because you already have God's love. I don't change to be accepted. I change from a place of already am accepted. If I have to change to get into church, I'm never going to make it through the doors. None of us. We're all toast because you had an anger issue that you, you had a thought, you had a word. You may not have said it. You had a moment. You got impatient, frustrated. And Jesus said, if you sin a little, it's sin. But the good news is God loves us even while we were still sinners. God loves us when we least deserve it. See, when I was little, I used to think God was kind of like the crush that I had in first grade. She likes me. She likes me not. She likes me. God loves me today. He loves me not today. God loves me when I go to church. He doesn't love me when I forgot to read my Bible. He loves me when I tithe. He doesn't love me when I forget to tithe. He loves me when I say all the right things. He doesn't love me when I say something I shouldn't have said. He loves me when I have pure thoughts. He doesn't love me when I have a bad thought. He loves me when I treat people right. He doesn't love me when I don't treat people right. He loves me when I can do good things. He doesn't. He loves me when I perform well. And I had this performance mentality as if God was changing his mind every day about me, as if God was a bipolar, fickle feeling God, that some days he liked me, some days he didn't. Even when I first started pastoring, I had this idea that the church wasn't going to accept me every week, that I was auditioning for y'all's approval. And, um, and, and, and that I wasn't just auditioning for your approval, that I was auditioning for his approval. And there was this part of me that thought, if I preach a good sermon, God will be happy with me. He'll love me. The church will love me. And this pastor came up to me this past week and he said, hey, I've been following you since you were the pastor. You stepped in when you were like 28 years old in 2014. And he said, you used to wear suits and skinny ties. He said, you haven't worn those in a while. And I said, yes, I stopped wearing those. He said, you were wearing them because you wanted to win people's approval, right? I said, I didn't think that, but as I look back on it, I see that now. 
that there was this part of me that thought I had to be a little bit more like my dad to be loved by God and loved by people until I started coming into the comfortability of my own skin and realized God loves me the way he made me and that you love me the way God made me. Because if I'm performing and pretending to be someone I'm not, then how can I truly be accepted for who God made me to be? And you as well. I have to believe that God loves me, not the more improved me, not the me that's kind of like my dad, not the me that's the version that you want me to be, but the me that God made me to be, that I've got to believe he loves me on my worst day, on my best day, that God still loves me when I'm in the valley, when I've been pruned, when there's not much left, when you've got a job, when you don't have a job, when you feel like you're on top of the world, when you're not. See, humans love you when you can do something for them, but God loves you when you can do nothing for them. God is the initiator of love. We love because he first loved us. And love is the biggest topic in the Bible. It's the number one thing Jesus talked about. He says, this is it. This is it. The whole Ten Commandments is summed up with this. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I've got to believe that God loves me. He says we love because he first loved us. Our love, we're not the ones who initiate the whole love thing. It's God. It's God. And I've got to believe that he loves me every single day. I've got to believe that God is for me. I've got to believe, see, when I'm a loved person, I love other people better. When, I am, when I'm living in the love of God, when I'm hurt, I hurt. But when I'm loved, I love. And I remember auditioning for our worship team here when I was younger, and I never made the youth worship band. And, um, and, and I remember the time when something shifted when I was preaching and pastoring. I literally heard the Lord say, cancel the auditions. You're in. You've made it. You're on the team, Paul. Stop auditioning every Sunday. Start walking up on that stage like you've already made the team. And something came over me, a new confidence, a new anointing, a new sense of courage, a new authority, because I believed God loves me. Number two, receive his love for you. You can't just believe it. You've got to receive it. If I believe that the gas station has gasoline and I drive past Quick Trip and I go, yay, gas prices are going down. They've got gasoline. And I see other cars filling up and they got the, the, the gas nozzle. I'm not good with words. They got that thing put into their car and they're filling up with gasoline. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. And I drive past them and I see them filling up and I'm like, yeah, good for you. I believe there's gasoline in there. And I keep driving and then I run out of gas. And I'm like, well, I believed that there was gasoline at the gas station. And people are like, yeah, yeah. But you got to go receive it for yourself. You believe it and you see other people receiving it but you won't pull over and receive some gas. Like, you're gonna burn out. Life is too hard to keep driving, believing that God loves you, but never receiving it. And if I go inside the gas station, I see people get get their big gulps, their 32-ounce drinks, and they go to the pop dispensary, and they put it up there, and they get there, and I go, yes, I believe that there's pop in there. And I just sit with my cup empty. They're like, "You you wanna fill that cup up? Yes you got to walk over there and put it up against the lever. You know, like, it's common sense, but sometimes we forget to do it. We believe that God loves us, but we forget to receive his love. And you go, well, I want to receive it. I want to receive it. These balloons, they were sitting flat on the table this morning until someone took them over to the helium tank in our kids' children's church area and filled them up. And when those balloons got filled up, they began to rise And in the same way as believers, when I fill up on the love of God, when I receive his love, I begin to rise. Here's how you can receive it. Here's how you can receive it. Paul the apostle prayed in Ephesians 3, verse 17. Lord, I pray that this church, he was praying for the church at Ephesus. He said, I pray that this church would understand that Christ lives in their hearts through faith. That as they believe that Christ lives in their hearts and that they would be rooted and established in his love, that they would know the depth and the width and the height and the length and the power that comes from the love of God. So Paul would pray for love to be filled up in our lives. One way we can receive the love of God is pray. How many of y'all believe in the power of prayer? All right. I pray and I expect God to move in me and move in the circumstance I'm praying for. 
So we were praying for my brother to get healed this morning as Catherine asked people to pray for those in the hospital. And I believe in God's going to bring healing to that man. And I believe that God's doing miracles even as we're here at church. But I've got to pray that love would fill my heart. So I I just said, Lord, thank you that you love me. God, I just thank you, Lord, that I am loved by you. God, I receive your mercies that are new today for me. As I'm praying it, I'm believing it, and I'm receiving it. And why don't you just do that right now? Just just take a moment. Just say, God, I thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for loving me. And believe it. Just say, I am loved by God. I'm loved by God. I try to teach our kids just to say that confession. I am loved. I am am valuable. Not because of what I do, but because of whose I am. I'm a child of God. I'm loved not because I performed well. I remember playing the piano and I had a piano recital and I messed up the whole thing. And my family was over there at the building where the piano happened, recital happened. And they were two thumbs up cheering, great job, Paul. And I was like, I didn't do good. I messed up the whole thing. And they go, we're just happy you're here. We're just happy that you're our son. We're just happy that you're trying. And they were showing me that love goes beyond my performance, that love goes beyond my behavior, that love goes beyond what I think I'm worthy of. And God loves you even when you don't think you're worthy of it. Receive that love. Another way we receive the love of God is how you love yourself, how you take care of yourself, taking care of yourself as if God wants you to be cared for, loving yourself as if God wants you to feel that love. See, sometimes we are the harshest critics of ourselves. We'll look in the mirror and go, I just wish I could get rid of this, lift these guys up a little bit, blow these guys up a little bigger here and a little bigger there. And I just feel so, uh, I just wish I was skinnier and I wish I was prettier and I wish I was more handsome and I wish I had a six pack and I just don't feel good about myself. And, And God's going, why do you put yourself down so much? And, and why are you always just harsh on yourself? And I don't, I don't deserve a day off. If I paid for you to have a vacation, how many of y'all would take that vacation? If we gave out vacation vouchers in church this month, how many of y'all would receive it? Come on, somebody send us to Disneyland. Let go, let's go somewhere, Silver Dollar City, if you're, you know, whatever you wanna go to. Uh, but oftentimes we sit with vacation hours and we go, I can't use that. I gotta work. I gotta, I gotta be there for people. I gotta, I gotta do stuff. I, I just, and one way that we receive the love of God is taking care of our own bodies, taking care of our own esteem, taking care of our own thoughts. God rested after working six days. If God rested, you can rest. Hebrews chapter four says, let us enter and receive the rest that he's prepared for us. This uh, past week, I got invited to go hunting with some pastors, and I wasn't going to go because I had a lot of work to do, and honestly, just feel like sometimes I just have dad guilt, like I need to spend more time with the kids, they need me more, so I wasn't going to go, and Ashley says, why don't you go? Would you have fun? I was like, yeah, but I, I, I need to work, and I need to be here for the kids, and she was like, Paul, just, just go. Just go, go enjoy a day of hunting with these pastors. And so I decided I was gonna go, and I told the kids, hey, daddy's gonna be gone for the next 24 hours, you know, hunting. And they go, what? Why are you hunting? You know, and they're like, why are you leaving us? As if I'm gonna be gone forever. And I was like, it's just for a day. And they were like, why do you do this to us? You know, and I was like, now, now I shouldn't go. Like, I need to just stay. And Ashley was like, no, you need to remind them that it's okay for adults to have a day of rest and play. And I'm so thankful she said that. It reminded me of my dad. Um, My dad was an amazing pastor and leader, and I admire him more than anyone else. Like, I look up to him more than anyone else. But I remember in his final eight weeks of life, we were going into the hospital, I was visiting him, he was on chemotherapy treatment, and, and every single day during those eight weeks, he was saying something like, I'm going to rest more. I'm going to take more days off. When I get out of here, I'm not going to try to do everything for the church. I'm I'm going to use those vacation days. I'm going to go fishing more. And we're going to to go do some fun stuff together. I was like, Dad, yes. We're going to do that. I can't wait till you get out of the hospital. We're going to go have some fun together. Yeah, I'm I'm going to take more time off. 
I'm going to do more fun stuff with your mom too. And he was talking about how him and my mom, they were just going to get away and travel, do more fun stuff. And I said, dad, you could be doing that. You could have been doing that. And he said, I know I, I pushed myself really hard. And, um, when I get out of here, I'm not going to push myself as hard. And I'm saying this maybe for just one guy in the room and I, and, and then I'll move on to the rest of this, but take a break, take care of yourself. I want to live. My grand grand's turning 99 this month. She's sitting on the front row. She's an incredible woman of God. And Grand Grand, Grand Grand, I asked you if you would this month, could I interview you on stage and let the church receive wisdom from you this month? Would you do that? She said, yes. Okay. How many of y'all would like to receive from Grand Grand this month? I think it would be an honor for us to hear from her and we could honor her for her hard work here at the church. But you know, I think about how God designed us to live a life that's not just working every single day of our life that God wants us to have moments where we take a break, where we rest. So I sat down with the kids. I said, guys, you know how you get to have recess? They were like, yeah. You know how you get to have fun? They were like, yeah. And I said, daddy's going to go have some fun with some pastors. I'm going to go hunt. And they were like, well, are you coming back for us? I was like, yes, I'll be back. You know, just this fear that I'm leaving. I was like, I'm coming back. And they were like, that's good. I'm glad you're going to have fun, dad. And I have fun with them. But we need to model this, that it's okay to take a rest, that it's okay to have fun. It's okay. This is one way we receive the love of God is believing. I remember hearing this testimony from Rich Mullins. He's the guy that wrote the song, our God is an awesome God. He reigns. And Rich Mullins struggled to feel the love of God almost his entire Christian music career. He, he shared this story in the ragamuffin gospel, which is a book that him and Brendan Manning wrote together that he struggled to feel love because he grew up with a father that was very verbally abusive. And I've seen this before, and maybe you've been there before. I remember when I was younger, I played basketball on this basketball team, and I remember there was this father at one of our games. This, this, this would happen often that year when I was very young. This father would berate his son verbally, and it was, it was so painful to watch. He would just shout harshly at his son just screaming at him, you failure, you messed up. And I remember just feeling so afraid for this boy. And, and I remember my dad would walk over to the father and just stand beside him and say, you don't, you don't need to say that. And he would say, don't tell me how to parent my kids. And my dad would stand beside him. And I just, one night I asked my dad, I said, dad, what's, what's going on? Why, why is he so like that? He said, his dad was abusive. And so he only knows how to parent the way he was parented. And I said, so, so what do we do? Like, I, I don't like my, fr my friend, my teammate feeling like he's constantly a failure. And he said, we just need to pray that his dad's heart would be healed. And this is why this sermon is so important because we need to break some generational curses in the room today. If you grew up with a father that did that to you, and some people grew up with, a with parents like the Chinese spy balloon. I'm going to come back to that. This is how we think, because we've been spied on our whole life. Just parents spying on you. I'm going to catch you doing something wrong. And so we think God's spying on us, that God's just looking down. He's got the balloon flying around us, just looking to see what we're doing, just angry at us. But God's looking down with love. Jesus said God sent his son into the world not to condemn us, but to love us. Rich Mullins had this revelation right before he died, tragically, in an accident. He had this revelation of the love of God. I want the band to come out. And there was this movie I watched. I forget what, what channel it was on or what network it was on. It was about his life. But he was so hurt. He was going to drugs and alcohol and women, and he was partying. He was, I mean, he was just, he was this Christian music star, but secretly he had these addictions and these problems and these wounds. And there was this moment in the movie where he finally like breaks and he just collapses and he's just there in Brennan Manning's house, this older man, this pastor who ministers to these Indians on this Indian reservation. And he says, I just feel so unloved. I just feel so lonely. I just feel so rejected. 
I feel like I'm not worthy. I feel like I'm not good enough. And this older father, man, God, I just pray for older fathers in this church. I pray for older mothers in this church to recognize how valuable you are in the next generation. Moms and dads in the room, we need you more than ever. Grandmas and grandpas, we need you more than ever. You are so needed in this church. I need you at every altar call praying for a son or a daughter. If you ever wonder if your, if your age is still valuable in the church, it is so valuable. Because this older man just comes across to Rich and Rich is in his early 30s and just puts his hands on his shoulders. He says, Rich, God loves you. God loves you. Not because you've wrote a bunch of good songs, not because you've got thousands of people coming to your concerts. God loves you. I remember the first time I heard that song, Oh, the Overwhelming, Reckless Love of God. And I was like, no, 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 he's not reckless. He's not reckless. And then I looked up the definition of reckless and it, 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 it actually means like love, like being able to do something with no need to receive anything back. Like God poured out his love knowing that we may not love him back. And I would say that is kind of reckless, that he was willing to lay down his life for people who would spit in his face. No, he only loves the people that love him back. No, that's so religious. That's such a Pharisee way to look at love. The agape love of God is that he loved me in my worst, ugliest, darkest hour, knowing that I may not love him back, and yet he still bled on that cross for me. He went to Calvary. And he died on that cross for Rich while Rich was drinking the beer, sleeping with the women, shooting the drugs in his arm. And Jesus goes, I love you, Rich. I love you, Rich. I love you, Paul. I love you, John. I love you, Ashley. And when I received that amazing agape, unconditional love, it leads me to my third point right here. I can release that love. This is where James is saying relationships and families and marriages can be healed if we'll go to the source. Because once I receive his love, then I can begin to release. Here's the third point right here. Release his love for others around you. Jesus said, love your brothers, love your sisters, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Love, what good is it to love people who love you back? He says, I want you to love, I want you to turn the other cheek when they slap you, and I want you to love people Someone asked Mother Teresa when she was addressing the United Nations, they said, how can we have world peace? She had just won the Nobel Peace Prize Award. And they said, how can we have world peace? She said, go home and love your family. She said, start at your home first. Start loving the people in your family first. Start looking for people that you can love. She said, we could, we could stop shootings in schools if we did this. We could turn hatred into love. We could turn violence into peace if we just started loving each other better. Instead of popping each other's balloons, if we just started giving each other balloons, just saying, you are valuable. See, Jesus, he broke barriers. Oh, I'm sorry. He crossed through. I love you. You're amazing. You're so sweet. I love you. You're so valuable. Jesus was kind to people. He treated people with respect. He honored people. He listened to people. He forgave people. And he said, I want you to do the same. I want you to, everywhere you go, I want you to just show love to people. Just look for people at your workplace that you can just show the love of God to, that you can just say, you are valuable. And, and as you are filling up on the love of God, pour it out for people around you. Pour it out to your family. When you're tempted to shout and scream and yell. See, my dad wasn't perfect. He had moments where he would lose his temper, but he would come back and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I don't want you to get this idea that somehow love is perfect. Love is humble. Love is willing to apologize when love is wrong. Love is not prideful. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. 
And when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we watch the movie, Walk to Remember, we're like, that's the way I wanna love. But God says, you gotta read that scripture first as if it is the way God loves you. And then secondly, how you're to love other people. That God is patient with me. He's patient with my process of maturing. One time my dad got angry at our dog and he, when we would get in fights with each other, he would make us kiss each other on the nose. And so we were like, dad, because he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry, I got angry at Freckles. We were like, kiss him on the nose. And Freckles looked at my dad and went, and had this dog breath. And my dad got down on his knees and looked at us and we were like, kiss him. <laughs> so he kissed that dog, that Freckles just licked his face and he was like, ah. But my dad was showing us that he was willing to be humble and say, hey, I'm sorry I got angry and shouted at the dog. I'm just saying that so often in our homes, we won't even apologize when we've called each other names. We're like, just get over it. Just get over it. You're so thin-skinned. You're so sensitive. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, if we're going to heal the world, it's going to start with humility. Just saying, hey, I am sorry. I was wrong. I was wrong. God, God wants me to love you better than that. God wants me to treat you better than that. You are the image of God and I'm the image of God. And we got to treat each other with that. We got to stop putting each other down and we got to start building each other up. We got to start loving each other the way God loves us. Would you stand your feet all over this place? God loves you so much. He loves us so much. He's so thankful you're his son, his daughter. Mother Teresa said, when we judge people, we make very little room to love people. It's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's my job to love. Jesus said, this new commandment I give you is that you would love one another as I've loved you. If you love one another, the whole world will know that you are the disciples of Christ. I was sitting with a pastor this past week, Tommy Barnett, he's in his 80s now, and he said, God told me if I would love the people that nobody loved, he would bring the people that everybody wants to my church. He said, I was pastoring a small church in Phoenix and nobody was coming. We didn't have any budget, any resources, any finances for the vision. But he said, I just started going down the street looking for homeless people and just saying, you wanna come to church? And he said, one homeless guy took me up on it. I started driving him to church. He said that homeless guy got a job, got married, got a family. He said 15, 20 years later, he said, this is the joy of pastoring is that you get to see someone over the years. If they stay in church long enough, you get to watch the change that happens. He said, I watched that homeless guy become very fruitful and prosperous. And he said he died and he had a will and he left a million dollars for the church and for the Dream Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And he said, it just started with just an act of love. And he said, I'm not saying that we love people to see what might happen down the road. I'm just saying that there's always a reward for love. Like you'll never lose when you love people. You'll never end up at the end of your life going, man, I shouldn't have given so much love away. God always honors love. If, if I will love people, if I'll forgive, if I'll reach out, if I'll do my part, if I'll keep on humbling myself when I miss it, and if I'll keep on trying to walk that road of love, Paul said, pursue, pursue the path of love. Above all the speaking in tongues and, and prophesying, he says, above all the gifts of the spirit, just pursue to love people. Because sometimes our tongues just sounds like clinging symbols. Sometimes our prophesying is just loud drums if we don't love people. He says, just pursue love. Get all the gifts of the spirit, but really pursue the love of Christ to flow through your home and your life and your family. And um, this month, being Black History Month, I was reminded of the story of Luz Long, that when he was in Germany and, and Jesse Owens was, was doing the long jump in front of Hitler, and there was a, a, a Holocaust happening, and Hitler hated anyone that wasn't the Aryan race. Well, Luz Long was one of the jumpers for Germany and walked over to Jesse Owens, an African-American from, from America, jumping in Germany at the Olympics. And he put his arm around Jesse and just started teaching him how to really win that, that match. And Jesse ended up beating Luz Long and Hitler was so angry. 
And I remember hearing the story how they remained best friends as years went on. They would have barbecues and meet up together and introduce their kids to each other. And I just think, man, we could change the world if we really get this message down. We could really bring healing to the world if we get more of his love in us. Let's just close our eyes all over this place. Man, I'm so touched by the love of God this morning. I wanna pray for healing today for anyone whose heart is hurting. If you're here today and you just, man, you've been hurt by words, you've been hurt by actions, you've been hurt by people, maybe you've been hurt by church, maybe you've just been let down in some ways and, and, and there's just pain that you just need God to bring healing to. You need, you need the love of God to wash you, to cleanse you. Maybe you've been hurt by your own sin. You just came in with shame and guilt and you're carrying just a, a baggage of of guilt and regret and shame and hurts and wounds and and maybe you're here today and you just say man I just need the love of God to wash me to fill me so I can release it for those around me we're just going to sing a worship song right now and I feel like the presence of God is so strong in this room I want I want to sit down at the piano and just sing and let the let the Holy Spirit minister to people Maybe you wanna come down to the altar right now. You could just leave your seat. But if you're here right now and you just say, man, I need to get down to that altar. I need the love of God to fill me up. Maybe it's your whole family. Maybe it's just you, but you would find a place at this altar. We're just gonna open up the, the altar right now. And I want this just to be a healing altar for anyone who needs God's love to touch you right now, to bring healing to your heart, to your mind. Maybe you just wanna walk in a greater level of God's love for your family, for friends, for people in your life. Maybe you've, you've gotten cold lately. Maybe it's just been, there's some walls up. There's some things, there's some disappointments that have happened. There's some anger. There's some things where you just have needed to lay it down at the feet of God and say, God, I, I trust you. I release it to you. Lord, I receive your love. I receive your grace. Let's just sing to the Lord. And this altar is just open for anyone who just needs God's forgiveness. You need his mercy. You need his love in your life. We're just going to worship him right now.
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord, for your love. God, we pray, Lord, just for your healing power, just to touch hearts and minds right now, God. And I believe that you're my healer. I believe you I believe that you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. And nothing is He's your redeemer. 
God loves you. He's with you. He loves you. He's for you. He's a good father. He's a good father. He's a husband to the widow. He's a father to the fatherless. He's with you. He's for you. He can heal the wounds from your generational past. He can break every curse. over you. He's thinking good thoughts about you. You are valuable. You are his child. You are worthy. You are worthy. He loves you. He's proud of you. He's called you. He's anointed you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He loves your family so much. He loves who he made you to be. He loves who he made you to be. Not what people want you to be, but who he made you to be. God loves you. He loves you so much. He is your healer. He's your father. He's your prince of peace. He's your comforter. He's your redeemer. He's thinking good thoughts about you. David says, I can't count. I can't count. I can't even, even if I had numbered all the grains of sand on the seashore, how many thoughts God has about me and they're good thoughts. They're good thoughts. God's thinking good thoughts about you. He cares for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows where you live. He knows what you're walking through. And he's not looking down with anger or punishment or pride. He's looking down with love. He's looking down with peace. He's looking down with a desire to help you. Even if you've ran far away from him, he says, I'm running after you. He's leaving the 99 to come and find you. He's pulling you out of the pit of despair. He's saving you. He's healing you. He's restoring you. He's redeeming you. He wrote a whole book in the Bible called Hosea about this woman who was caught in prostitution, just kept going back to her old lifestyle. And, and he called the prophet. He says, I want you to go and keep redeeming her. Keep redeeming that girl. Keep getting her out of that old lifestyle. Keep reminding her that she is the bride that represents the nation of Israel. That I'm never going to stop loving them. I'm never going to stop chasing them, pursuing them. God's here today and he loves you. He's pursuing you. He's redeeming you. He's got mercies new for you today. He has a bright future in front of you. He cares about what you've walked through. He wants, to, he wants to give you strength. He says, let me take care of that. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. You just love those people. You pray, you forgive, you move forward. God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. <clears throat> just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive your love. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You're my Lord and Savior. And I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name. 